Hi everyone, Mel here with a new season of The Creative Connection. 2021 has come to a close and I would like to thank all of the creatives who shared their inspiring and compelling stories with us, especially during challenging and uncertain times that we are still facing. I hope their stories have inspired you to keep creating. For my first guest of 2022, we are joined by artist Alejandro Agustin Padilla. Interviewing in the time of COVID, we had a delightful phone conversation that touches on the theme Alex likes to explore in his art, as well as some mental health issues that are communicated through his work. We also had a fun little creative writing exercise where we have to come up with some unusually odd excuses to some pretty common situations and talk about Alex's current art in the local zine scene. Hello. Oh. This is Alex. Oh, I thought this was to renew my car warranty. I'm just kidding. Oh. <laughs> no, that's my uh, side hustle. I'll get to that eventually. <laughs> okay. So first, thank you for joining me for the second time since yeah. the first time, you know, we had a little bit of ghost pranksters on my mics. Ghosts. Correct. So tell me a little bit about yourself. You Are you originally from San Antonio? Uh, no, actually from a little place called Shelby, Michigan. Shelby, Michigan. It's, uh, yeah, it's, it's labeled as a village. You know, I recently, I, was, I think I was telling you, I had recently got uh, a copy of my birth certificate. When it came in, it actually said village. I'm like, what the hell? Is, what does that even mean? Like, I guess I was born in a village. <laughs> it's not even a town. Like, what? what? Like. Oh, wait, so not even so, a town. It's a village. No, it's labeled as a village on my birth certificate, yeah. Uh, what was the population around that time of that town? Uh, you know, I looked it up. I think it was only like 1,200 people. But, I mean, it still seems like a lot of people to be calling it a village. Yeah. Uh, maybe it had something more to do with, like, uh, bartering or, I don't know, <laughs> something, something much older. I don't know, probably something else I had to do with, like, maybe there was an old, like, seer in the town or something that predicted <laughs> the weather or something. Yeah, who knows? Interesting. Okay, cool. Yeah, I don't okay. think anybody in Michigan knows that Shelby exists either. Michigan. But I do know we had things like, um, I believe there was a YMCA for some reason. I, I, there was the Boy Scouts were there. Uh, there was, every, every street was named something like Cherry Street or Apple Street. Yeah, it was, it was a tiny little place. And uh, I believe they even had like a little like uh, newspaper newsletter that went out. And I believe when I was born, it was actually like on the front cover. Like that was the big news, right? Like baby boy born to, you know, <laughs> that was like the headline, you know, I was like, okay. Like, really? Slow news day. Yeah. Yeah. That was like kind of the headline of it. It's like. I'm going to dig through well, all of the archives of Shelby, Michigan and try to find yeah. that headline. Cause that would be super, uh, yeah, super yeah. cool. <laughs> what's, what's funny is they they probably have no idea like it's none of that is online <laughs> you know it's probably still on some like vellum hiding in some like archaic library somewhere you know, on the scroll or something pretty sure it's handwritten you know <laughs> it's just not even printed you know? <laughs> it's a town crier still out there you gotta consult <laughs> so and how long were you there for oh maybe like a year and a half I believe okay. and um we were, like my parents moved um, down here to San Antonio when I was really young, like, like I said, like a year and a half. So, if that, but 
and I have a lot of memories of that place, which is odd. I mean, I have vivid memories of Shelby, Michigan. So, you know, picking apples and going to like the gym. I think it might have been the YMCA, but it was like a gym. Yeah, I remember the Boy Scouts. I remember the Shriner cars coming through for a parade. I actually have a lot of memories of that of, uh, that time there. So you have memories from when you're like a year and a year and a half years. Oh yeah, I have, I have, yeah, I have very vivid, detailed memories. Wow. Yeah, um, yeah, but my memory since then is just all went downhill. Like you know, I started off <laughs> you know <laughs> with a great memory, and now I don't, I don't, now I don't remember anything. You know, now I look for my keys every morning. Sometimes I lose my pants. I have no idea. Wow. But yeah, yeah, I definitely have memories of all that. If you get wow. it. But yeah, like I said, we were down here in San Antonio when I was really young. So <clears throat> I've been here in San Antonio for a while. We moved around a lot of different locations in San Antonio as well. When did you start with like your your sketching and your drawing? And when did the art, Alex, mm. come out? Uh, you know, I've always loved art when I was a kid, but... I don't think I was, obviously nobody's great as a kid unless you're a prodigy, but um, I think I have like some pictures of me, like about two or three drawing, you know, and it's like uh, crumbled pieces of paper all around, you know, and then still drawing, you know. So like when you went to those little, I forgot what they were called, but oh, I think, was it the Scholastic Book Fair? I think is what they were called. Oh, yeah. Did you always go to the, the art section first? Or? Um no, I always wanted the gimmicky stuff. I always wanted like the uh, the cranny racer, <laughs> just the stuff that nobody else wanted. I thought it was fascinating, but of course at the time it said cranny racer, and I thought, hey, look, you know, you can erase a crayon with it. But no, it was just a eraser shaped like a crayon, and <laughs> I was totally duped by it, and I felt so embarrassed when I bought it. I think I might have threw it, thrown it away so that nobody, there was no evidence that I had actually fallen. <laughs> for I thought I could erase cramp. And you still can't erase cramp to this day, and that's what's you can. sad about So I got deep when I was young at those classic book fairs. But no, I didn't. I don't think I ever gravitated towards uh, um, any art books at, at a really young age. It was always like, I just wanted the gimmicky stuff. Anything, they could sell me anything, you know? <laughs> cool. I don't know, I always went for like, book series like when i saw that it was there was like more than one volume you know like oh, okay. i think yeah. what was that like um the magic school bus that one was fun um <laughs> <laughs> that one was fun like wow these kids are very or this teacher is very like adventurous like mine is yeah getting mad at me yeah. for having messy penmanship like jeez <laughs> Yeah, see, so you're, you're probably younger than me, because so, I think my brother was really into, like, the Magic School Bus, my younger brother, so I might have been a little bit older. Maybe. I don't know. But when I would go in, it was probably more like um, the bus. Wuzzles or oh, yeah. the Snorks or, you know, <laughs> something strange like that. Probably nothing educational, that's for sure. There was nothing educational growing up, you know? <laughs> I mean, they had cranny racers, you know? Like, that's what you oh, <laughs> I'm still I'm still writing letters to them like how could they have done this to me <laughs> that was 75 cents <laughs> and so you today Alex today what is your go-to medium for drawing is it is it inks is it paints or like oils or what is your yeah um definitely ink work I've always just been fond of ink work in general so 
I've been using a lot of these uh, brush pens. It's kind of a... They're disposable, which kind of sucks because I have tried refilling them, but they're near impossible to refill. But yeah, I've been going to these uh, brush pens that I've been using and kind of squeeze them out. They're, they're my Pentel. The Pentel releases them. Pentel brush pens. And uh, yeah, I've just been using those mostly. Um, I've been... I've, use you know faber castell pit pens or microns but um that's for fine line work right now i'm usually pretty loose with my my lines i like to get a lot of texture so yeah the brush pens are definitely what i've been going to recently or lately nice uh do you experiment with with other forms of uh mediums well i think you know, I've always, I think every artist kind of goes into in and out of different mediums or tries to think like, you know, today's the day I'm going to tackle watercolor and then, you know, you end up throwing the whole watercolor pan away. Like, I don't know what I was thinking. But yeah, I mean, uh, interesting enough that when COVID started, I started getting into uh, Photoshop, uh, doing like kind of digital illustrations with like a Wacom board. Uh, I could say, yeah, I'm experimenting with that more these days. Um, just because I probably have a lot more time now and it's just a lot it just seems like something to do <laughs> with all the time so but uh, yeah I have some of those posted on like my website and all the, all the ones that I think I like the most are usually on the website there's probably about 12 to 13 of them on there nice but, uh, yeah Photoshop has been also a new a new concept for me uh, also um, with the extra time, right, yeah. but uh, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, Photoshop. There is so much freedom. I think it's like the with Photoshop. Like, I mean, your limit is pretty much as far as your your imagination can go. I feel for me. Yeah. You know, yeah, like, absolutely. It's not what my hands can necessarily do at this point. Now it's just how far I can yeah. push my yeah. limits of the imagination. So yeah, yeah Photoshop is really little, good. Uh, probably time as well, because I mean, oh, yeah. you could probably spend days and days and days like mm-hmm. literally hours and hours and hours days 24 hour days like just working on one piece and, um there's a great artist here in town who's um pretty well known james cobb and he does um he does a uh, he's been doing a uh, photoshop stuff for a while um but he doesn't use like the whack-a-mole board and the pen he uses the actual mouse because he wanted to distinctively show that these are different his illustrations are different from his uh, paintings and he was telling me that's how he was doing his. And I was like, wow, see, this guy's an artist, man. He knows what he's doing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, thanks for the advice. Like, yeah. <laughs> Tell me about the first piece of art you sold. Um, what was it? Oh, um, yeah, so <laughs> I was looking, trying to go through and then, um, I was going through my old, my old stack of like kind of, you know, everybody keeps that kind of like that art memorabilia mm-hmm. of stuff they've done in the past. Well, I found an old receipt book and I was going through it and I realized, I think it was called Vessel. They have a real, real cool title. And, uh, <laughs> and it was, uh, it was just like a, it was a silhouette of sort of a, an aircraft living near uh, Cali Air Force Base and Lackland Air Force Base. You know, you mm-hmm. see a lot of those planes flying overhead. Um, I think that's always been something that stuck with me because my, my dad wasn't in the Air Force or in the armed services. Uh, he was a Marine, but he worked on at Kelly Air Force Base a while back when it used to be an Air Force Base. Now it's uh, <clears throat> now it's something else. Um, 
but he worked there at Kelly, and so we'd always go to things like Kelly Fest. And so I think the military has always kind of played like this uh, this role in our life, I guess, or my life. Mm-hmm. Um, even though you know we weren't living on base or anything, we definitely you definitely get a piece of that culture when you're here in San Antonio. So yeah. we always go to like you know the Kelly Fest. If anybody remembers the mm. Kelly Fest from the 80s, it was the best thing in the world. <laughs> <laughs> this is pretty much a big carnival with a lot of military ex- uh, um, exhibits up that you can go look at. You know, you can go see the cannons. Oh. You can actually, yeah, you know, they just had everything. You know, the kids could hold like the M16s. And, no. Oh, my God. And, um, <laughs> you know, it was just, just wild stuff like that for a whole couple of days. But, uh, yeah, it was just a silhouette of that. And I think it was just a reflective piece on that kind of, uh, it was actually pretty large. It was like four feet by three feet, five feet by three feet, somewhere around there. Um, it was all done in oils, and it was just kind of a lot of, like, glazing effects with oils. Um, but that was the first piece I had sold, and that was sold out of Meatballs Gallery, which used to be inside Gaisa Gallery. Gaisa Gallery, which used to be where Freight, where Freight Gallery is now. That used to be Gaisa, which was like a... Uh, Chicano Gallery and uh, run by Joe Lopez and that inside there he had smaller galleries of studios as well so your previous um, solo exhibition new old stock um, that was that was pretty unique uh, from the setup that I had seen um, what themes did you explore in that uh, exhibition? Oh uh, yeah, so we had that uh, we had that one in October of last year at uh, Not for You Gallery, mm-hmm. and um, the interesting thing about that that uh, exhibition was the work was not necessarily intended to be an exhibition uh, to be shown. Really, I just was kind of doing that work on my own, and I thought it would never be looked at or seen. I was just you know creating art, you know, you know. Sometimes you create art just to explore materials, and I think that's what I was I was doing with that. So it was a lot of uh, brushwork, like ink brushwork on vellum, like rolls of butter paper. Mm-hmm. And so I was just cutting out these large, you know, twenty foot swaths, of, twenty foot by twelve inch or eighteen inch swaths of uh, vellum paper, and just doing long continuous drawings on them. I think I had, that's when around the time I had met Edward, and uh, we started. Uh, he really liked those drawings, and he when he opened that gallery, he asked me to go ahead and uh, do that show there, and I was, yeah, I was pretty excited. Yeah, so we went forward, and, you know, we showed him, but uh, the themes, in terms of themes that I was exploring on that, um, mm-hmm. a lot of automatic drawing, and uh, so it's just kind of like a flow of, you know, conscious thought, and conscious, or subconscious thought, and uh, whatever came to mind, you know, was what I would draw. You know, it wasn't to dwell too much on the imagery, or... The symbolism, it was just more just to get thoughts out and just draw well. For some reason, my mind works well like that. It's easier to just kick out as much as I possibly can and, you know, not try to limit myself into a certain box beforehand. And I think that when you look back at it, it does kind of become a little autobiographical, the work. Um, so when you look back, you kind of see a lot of themes of people's faces being very filled with uh, anxiety or a lot of uh, characters in a lot of like terrible situations <laughs> you know like some of them are in hell you know those kind of boshy kind of looking imagery 
you know, I think a lot of my work is rooted in anxiety. Um, that's usually where it starts off at. Um, or that's usually where I pull a lot of the inspiration from, or a lot of energy from, I should say. The presentation was interesting. Uh, a lot of that was uh, a mixture of my ideas and Edward's ideas on how to show them because they are, I wouldn't say it's delicate, but it can definitely rip easily. They started on the wall, they went to the ground and came back up the other side of the wall. And uh, we're really scared of people like coming in with drinks and dropping drinks on it and you know, mm. destroying <laughs> the actual pieces. Yeah, we were worried about fans. We were worried about everything. It was, it was pretty, uh, pretty angsty, I guess, which is kind of, I guess that is kind of like the theme of the show, you know, yeah. pretty angsty, pretty, we're all pretty anxious about it all. So it's, it's always, I always want to think about the lighting. I want to think about the mood, the ambience, you know, um, that's all very important. I kind of look at it almost like, uh, like filmmaking in a way, you know, like, I think you kind of, I think a lot of people kind of look at their life as like, uh, maybe like a narrative, like a film. Yeah. And when you do that and you think about your art as a whole, as a narrative, I think you can kind of really start integrating interesting ways of presenting the work. It's, you know, you can call that insulation if you want. There's an artist as well named uh, Jesse Amalo, and he was telling me that that's how he looked at it. Some of how, when he presented the work as well, he's always looking at the ambience and how how does it feel in this, in this area? You know, you take into consideration not just the work, but the actual gallery. It's storytelling. It's all a part of storytelling. You know, it's, it is a narrative. And, you know, one thing that I really like to explore with the different um, creatives that I talk to is how they use art to communicate, you know, that narrative. So, I mean, right. I, getting a little bit more on a personal note, what do you feel your art communicates um, to others? I think when I'm, when I'm showing my art, I always feel that it's, it is very personal for me personally. Like this art um, is autobiographical. There is no real outside sources that I'm, or I guess outside themes that I'm exploring other than themes that I've encountered in my life. Um, it's hard for me to speak on anything that I don't know about. And the fact that a lot of my art and a lot of just my life in general has just been trying to figure out my own, my own crazy brain, you know, like how does it work? How do I experience things? You know, you try to look at yourself from a, from a third person perspective, you know, what is this person going through? And, you know, I have this idea that this is how my brain looks on the inside, I guess. This is how, what I, how I experience life is how I want to present my work. Um, but I think the overall, the underlining theme has always been anxiety um, and maybe depression as well. Um, it, it's kind of like I wouldn't be an artist if I didn't have that. So it's kind of like I think a lot of artists feel like it's a double-edged sword. You know, you... you you're creative, you're a creative person, you're an artist because of the trauma that you went through. But if I didn't have that trauma in my life, I don't think I would be doing this. I'd probably be like in IT or something weird, you know, or you know, doing something, something completely different. And uh, I think it's unfortunate. At the same time, I would love people to like look at the art and feel and understand that, you know, this, this is like, my brain how it works i would like them to understand like oh, this is me exploring my own anxiety my own depression um, because i can't really speak on anything else i can only really speak to myself and what i'm going through you've been creating for a really really long time what, <laughs> i mean it, that and i mean that in a really good way i mean that in a really good way i just laugh at myself too when i think about this <laughs> <laughs> any type of career that people pursue that is in the liberal arts field, like it's tough right. to pursue it, you know, full time. Oh yeah, it. definitely. 
um, there's a lot of challenges, but creative thinkers find creative ways, you know, of, of overcoming their obstacles. And that just makes the journey all that much more fun. And to be doing it for, for as long as you have, that's really, really, really inspiring. Um, and if you could go back to a younger version of yourself, um, before you started, before that first piece you sold, you know, in the early 2000s, what piece of advice, um, would you share with yourself in regards to, um, pursuing your, your art? I think, um, I want to, what I didn't know back then was how the art world actually worked. When you're become when you're a young artist, you have a very romantic, or I guess when you're just a young person in general, you have a, a very romantic idea on how the world works. Yeah. And, but there's also a flip side, which is the politics and the cliques and, you know, a lot of that, you know, a lot of who do you know, you know, not what you know type thing. Yeah. Uh, networking. I mean, all that is kind of things you don't think about when you're a young artist. You think, oh, you know, I put my art out and then like this magical curator comes along and they take me to New York and I sell a million dollars worth and, you know, <laughs> I'm a millionaire. You know? It's that simple, right? You know? <laughs> Saying, okay, I'm showing here, you know, let me learn about the institution I'm showing. You know, really think about who their audience is, um, who their buyers are, who the curator is, who the owners are. Um, a lot of that should be taken in consideration. I feel that's probably the best advice I could give my younger self and probably any young artist was, is that you need to learn the institutions you're working for. You can't just be a stubborn artist and be like, well, it's my way or the highway, because it's really not. I have some really cool creative, ex- creative excuses for us. These excuses that we come up with are meant mm-hmm. to be believable, airtight, and unusual all at the same time. <laughs> Uh, so disclaimer to everybody out there, please do not use these excuses. The purpose of yeah. this exercise um, is to just uh, build focused creativity. And it has to be believable. It has to be <laughs> believable. Um, Good luck. None of my excuses are believable. <laughs> the first one, I am using it from the, from the actual exercise, is a creative okay. excuse for being pulled over for a speeding ticket. How do you get out of a speeding ticket? Oh, man. You have to, okay, <laughs> you have to tell them you're dying. That is the only way that they're going to let you go. You have to tell them that you're dying or someone that you know is dying and you're on your way somewhere. That is the only way you're going to have a speeding ticket. I don't think there's any other way. I mean, I, I work, I, my day job is a bank. Uh, I work at a bank, so I have a, a badge for security clearance to be let in, you know, into the building. Um, I would just flash them that and say, you know, because it says what bank I work for and everything. And I would just flash them that and just say, like, hey, the credit card towers are down. I work for IT. I need to go over there and I need to check out, you know, what's happening because, you know, millions of customers have been impacted. Uh, you know, that, that would be my excuse. Like, look, like, I'm saving the world one credit card transaction at a time, yeah. officer. <laughs> so, next one a creative excuse to get out of going out with friends? <laughs> uh, my, I don't need a creative excuse at this point. My friends know I'm like the flakiest person <laughs> you've ever been in your life. Like, they don't even ask me to go out anymore, you know? And if they do, they know I ain't showing up. Even if I say I'm gonna show up, I could be outside the building and be like, I'm here. They're like, yeah, you're not showing up. And I'm sure enough, I just drive home, you know? It's just, I, I have, <laughs> I don't have any good excuses. I just kind of, I just lean into 
you know who I am. You know I'm not showing up. (laughs) (laughs) I think for me, I would just, um, I'd pull a a movie line from here. Uh, For this one, I would just say, I couldn't find my top. Um, (laughs) Do you know what movie that's from? I couldn't find my top. Romeo and Michelle. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm thinking like, uh, I don't know, what I, for some reason I thought like, uh, you speak a little melt jiggle. Oh, know. yeah. <laughs> I, I do quote that, that movie, movie often too. Yeah. I don't know. But that's, that's Rob Schneider's on my mind. I don't know. Rob Schneider. That's, he's nice to have on your mind. Like, he's a funny guy. <laughs> <laughs> so how about uh, a creative excuse for missing work on short notice missing work on short notice had to get coffee yeah you don't want me in there all angry that's for sure yeah <laughs> I think mine would be my car got stolen but it really my car was stolen oh, like yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was uh, that was I mean twice in one year too twice I think the second time that's they crazy. thought I was lying and using a creative excuse and I'm like no yeah like really, this yeah, this happened. <laughs> so for our last creative excuse, um, what's your most creative excuse for getting out of a date? Oh, getting out of a date. Getting out of a date. So this person doesn't know you, you know, like, or maybe they know you, but not know you know you, where you could just say like, you know, it's me. I'm gonna flick. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. They should just know that I'm a flaky person. There's probably a 65% chance that I'm not sure. <laughs> I, I don't have. I don't. I have no idea. You're asking the wrong person about that advice. I would go with another Romeo and Michelle line and and just say like, I think I've cut my foot and my shoe is filling up with blood. Um, <laughs> Jesus Christ! Yes. <laughs> well, I mean, thank you for uh, interview. Thank you for. This has kind of been like the cursed interview, which is probably what you should call this, because we planned this almost a year ago. That's right. right. It's been almost a year, I guess, since we planned the interview, and we actually even did an interview, and something, I don't know what, you said the ghosts? They messed with, yeah, like, that's so weird. Yeah, the audio was all off. It was really weird, weird audio. We were just, yeah, because yeah. we were in person on the first interview. Right. Obviously, and then now we're on the phone. I'm on a pay phone. And, uh, <laughs> hey kids remember payphones I was about um, to say those don't exist anymore <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, yeah so this is definitely the cursed interview so thanks for uh, thanks for bobbing and weaving with me on this because it's just been a crazy obviously everybody's had just a crazy few years so oh I w- last time you'd asked me what I was working on and I had forgot I think I already mentioned I was doing the Photoshop drawings yeah yeah but so I I, I submitted some work to something uh, a place called uh, That Gray Zine have you heard of that? I it's, a, it's like a local zine here in town yeah um, yeah it does it deals a lot with like um, kind of mental health issues so they kind of have writing short stories and uh, poetry and drawings so it's a zine it's a nice little professional little zine. I like it a lot. I had, I had submitted some work and uh, that just came out. So if anybody is interested in Ooh. seeing a couple of pieces that I did for that. And I think Blair Wilson is also in there as well. He's always big on the on the zine scene. Zine He's always doing scene. a lot of zine. And there's some other great artists in there. So I don't know. I made that word up. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's called That Gray Zine. 
I think if you just go like bagraising.com, I think you can find your way to getting a copy there as well. Oh, but nice. Yeah, definitely okay. People should support that. That's that's, a, that's always fun to do something, you know, something that's actually related to the art. Yeah. Uh, directly, you know. So it's kind of interesting to see a lot of other artists in there as well that are that kind of, I guess, maybe deal with or definitely deal with these type of issues as well because it's not an uncommon issue you know and it's kind of weird when i see people online but you know you see celebrities they're like oh i'm coming out talking about mental health it's like well artists been talking about mental health for like 40 years you know yeah <laughs> 50 60 years you know it's it's i think it's more common than people actually think you know so mm-hmm. um yeah i think people should definitely look into that more give that get the zena a buy <laughs> so sure do not. they just is it just like uh sold online or is it sold in yeah, certain it's places? Yeah, and I believe they show up at different pop-ups as well. So. Oh, okay. Yeah, and they've been they've been doing a few issues, so they have a back back catalog as well of other ones you can look at as well. But nice. Yeah, I just wanted to plug that. Definitely, I'll. Hmm, I'm gonna check this out. That's cool. Well, congrats that it got you know that it got published. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. 